but we are not doing the routine. And there's a paradigm shift that God wants to happen in this church. It's been, it's been in the womb for a little while, but I feel the birthing pains coming upon the church and something is about ready to be birthed that's gonna leave us different for forever. I'm looking for a forever change. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands right now if that's what you desire of the Lord this morning, God. I may not understand everything, but I need a forever change, and I need it to happen this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm hungry for an encounter from the one true and living God. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm hungry for an experience from you this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's reach out to him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we need you this morning. Lord, we need you this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. We need a divine interruption in our life from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We need the Lord to mess up our routine and our patterns because what God is wanting to do goes far beyond our religiosity that we have so professionally developed in the apostolic or the Pentecostal movement. We need a divine touch from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The harvest that God wants to give this city and wants to give our church, it's going to be a harvest where people are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, not because the songs were sung right, not because the preacher was preaching it right and, and the sermon was pretty enough, but there's got to be a burning fire and a desire where when we come in and we begin to pray, the power of the Holy Ghost hits this place in such a way that sinners are convicted of their sins and wonder what in the world is going on and I've got to have what they have. I've got to get a hold of what they've gotten a hold of in prayer. I'll tell you this morning, anybody can go down to the church down the street across the city or wherever and find better music, find better preaching, find better tech, find better presentation. There's always a better somewhere and I've figured out that people know how to play, they know how to sing, they know how to do the tech, they know how to preach, but everybody does not know how to pray and get on an altar and let their flesh, woo, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Everybody doesn't know how to touch God and get into his presence where the life-changing power of God is. There's talent everywhere. There's good preaching everywhere. There's good technology and good graphics and, and good singing and good musicians. There's good drummers and good bass players and good piano players. You can find them everywhere. There are a dime a dozen. You can find somebody better every day of the week, but what's going to change this city and what's going to change you and I is when we decide I'm going to get on an altar and I'm going to pray and I'm going to let my flesh die before the things of God and I'm going to get the altar where it needs to be. Hallelujah, the altar is still first. 
the altar is still first. It did not change from the Old Testament. When they walked into the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, uh, when they walked into the tabernacle, the first thing that they would see when they peeked through the door was the brazen altar. It was the altar of death. It's where they brought animals and they sacrificed those, uh, those animals on an altar. What does that mean? That means what God required at that time for somebody to cover their sin or somebody to bring a peace offering, what they would do back in that day is they would bring an animal that meant something to them. They didn't bring an animal that was lame or, the, or, or that was missing a leg or that was missing an eye or, 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 or had problems physically, but they would bring the best of their animals and they would bring it to the priest and he would sacrifice it unto the Lord and it would die on that burnt offering there that day. And, uh, and, and what it meant is that they brought their very best to God. That was the first piece of furniture in the process of relationship. The altar where something died was the very first step. It was not the last step. It was the first step in their relationship to God where God received their offering and he blessed them as a result of what they brought that day. And this is what God had commanded to, uh, to Moses to give unto the people. The, the God's tabernacle plan consisted of the tabernacle surrounded in, in, in a linen uh, 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 gate or curtain that went fully around the tabernacle. In the outer court, there was what was called the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice. Then after the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, there was then the laver of water. It was right before the door of the, of the tabernacle building itself. Once you walked into the tabernacle, you walked into what was called the holy place. In the holy place was the, 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 the golden lampstand that was burning always. There was the, the, the altar of incense and there was the table of showbread. And beyond that was then the veil or the curtain. And, and beyond the veil or the curtain was the holiest of holies. This was the presence of God. This was the glory of God. This was the most prized possession to three and a half million people. What that meant is if they didn't have glory, they did not have anything. If they did not have the presence, they did not have anything. Their complete and total value and who they were as a people of God resided in just a small room where the presence and the glory of God dwelt. Let me tell you, if we don't have the glory of God, we don't have anything. That message is still true in 2022, that if we don't have the glory of God in our midst, we are a worthless people. You can look at it through through the Old Testament. What would happen is when, when that man, I, this is not my notes, so I'm just going to preach for a little while this morning. Praise God. When, when they would fall into sin, their enemies would surround them and they would come into the city of Jerusalem and what did their enemies want it? What did their enemies want? Their enemies wanted that golden box that was so precious to them because it was the ark of the covenant that they would that would lead them into battle. It was the ark of the covenant where over over the top of it the pillar of fire and the pillar of, of, of cloud would reside day and night when they were in the wilderness. They knew that the power that they so desperately needed was all tied up in the ark of the covenant. Covenant. This is the, represented the power and the glory of Almighty God. And when and when the enemy came in. I believe it's in 1 Samuel. I don't have this in my notes right now, but when the enemy came in and, and the glory of God is stolen, the, 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 the priest, his, his daughter-in-law, she is pregnant with a baby and the priest, he immediately, when he hears
glory has departed. The Bible says that he fell over backwards and he broke his neck and he died as his natural knee-jerk reaction to the glory departing. His Then his daughter-in-law goes into labor because she's so stressed that the glory has departed. When's the last time that somebody went into labor because something bad happened at the church? I'm not saying I want that to happen. What I'm saying is the emotions of the people, the, the, the desire and the heartbeat of the people was so tied up in the glory of God that, that when she went into she that when she heard that the glory had departed, she went into labor and she gave birth to a son and she named the son Ichabod. And the name Ichabod means the glory has departed. So in just a few short moments or a few short hours, once they hear that the glory of God has been stolen out of the temple. They, they, uh, uh, one generation dies by falling over and breaking his neck. The next generation goes into labor and the third generation is named Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. Let me tell you something. When the church lets the glory go, immediately th- three generations will be affected before you can blink your eye. Three generations will immediately be affected when God's people say the glory doesn't matter. But there's got to be something in the in the in the heart of the church that says we cannot lose the glory. We cannot lose his divine presence. We cannot value anything more than the glory of God. Would you lift up your hands and just love him right now? Hallelujah. 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 I'm here to tell you this morning, though, that the glory was not in the altar. That's not where the glory was. The glory was in the holiest of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. But the altar was still first. This is the way God designed it. When God gave Moses specific instructions, he laid it out to him how they were to worship him. He told him specifically. He didn't leave it up to them. He said, oh, you can do it however you want to do it. You know, there's, there's many ways to please him. No, 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 no. God said, if you want to please me, here's how you will do it. I will give you the blueprint. I will give you the plan. I will tell you exactly what to do to the detail of how to please me. So that's why we have the the tabernacle plan in the Old Testament. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the, the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. So while we do not worship uh, like they did in the Old Testament as in living sacrifices and the, the laver of water and the altar of incense and table of showbread and golden candlestick and, and then we have a box in the back room somewhere, what that is, that is a type and shadow of our spiritual relationship with God. What was literal in the Old Testament is spiritual in the New. And so, uh, but God gave us the pattern in the Old Testament. And, and we cannot get away from the pattern of the Old Testament. We cannot brush it aside and say that is, that is illegitimate now. It doesn't matter anymore. But the, the altar is still first. The altar is still first. What does this mean? This means when they came in, they brought their best sacrifice to God. When they, when they brought that lamb in there, there probably was the thought in somebody's mind when they brought their best lamb in there. It might have been a prized lamb. It might have been a goat or, or a bull that was just perfect. 
perfect and it, it was revered by many people and they looked at that goat or that bull or that lamb and it might not have had a blemish on it but it was their best so God said would you bring me a sacrifice don't bring me a half good sacrifice don't don't bring me the worst lamb in your flock don't bring me the worst the worst bull in, in amongst all the cattle but when you bring me a sacrifice you bring me your first and your best and so there was probably the thought process amongst people when they led that animal up to the tent door and they led it to the priest so he could sacrifice it they probably thought to themselves when this is sacrifice there's a chance I might not have another good one like this ever again there, there's a chance that this may be the best animal that I've ever had in my flock it may this may have this may be the strongest and the best and 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 all of the positive things about it there was probably that thought in their mind nevertheless they brought it unto the Lord see they were human like you and I they had thoughts like you and I do. Sometimes when God asks for something from us, our humanity kicks in and says, well, if you give this, something negative might happen or you might be empty later or you might do without later. But let me tell you that when God's people brought him a sacrifice, he always took care of his people. He always took care of his people. When they brought him the best sacrifice and they did it unto the Lord with love in their heart, he always made sure they were taken care of and that they were a blessed people. He always made sure that there was not, that they were not wanting in their life and that they were taken care of when they made the altar first. Romans chapter 8 Verse 13 and 14, it says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What the writer of Romans is telling us, he's, he's putting into perspective, and, and he knew the law like, like, any, like nobody else probably knew the law. He was very well educated. He knew, and he connected the dots between the Old Testament and, and the New Covenant and how God was relating to people and what he was, what the imagery he's, he's connecting here. He's talking about mortifying the deeds of the body. The same imagery is used and connected to those that were hearing him that knew about the giving of the shedding of blood of animals on an altar of sacrifice. It was very costly. It was very painful. They had to watch that animal be slaughtered and they, they went back to their home with one last animal to provide for their family and so there was that element of sacrifice. That's why it is called a sacrifice because you do without so that God can have. But when we do things in the proper order, hear me this morning, when we get things back in the proper order, that's when God's glory is going to be made manifest. That's when God's power and his provision is going to show up in your life and there's going to be a fresh touch of God's spirit and manifestation of his power when we do what he has told us to do and we put the altar first. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
this is this is not the unreasonable service. This is reasonable. This, this is not God asking something of us that is unreasonable. This is God saying, this is what I expect of you is to give yourself wholly and completely, not just H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly or completely unto me, which is our reasonable service. The Bible tells us to present ourselves to him wholly unto him or completely and wholly as in H-O-L-Y or separated unto him. This was all a part of the of the of the original plan, the shadow, the type and shadow of the tabernacle in the old covenant or the old testament. Hear me this morning that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us and he's speaking to us today and he's there's there's been something that has been that has just been stirring on the inside of us as a congregation. There is a hunger within us that says I don't want just religion. I don't want just routine but God we've got to have something beyond where we've ever gone before and I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost this morning that God is going to bring to birth some things in us that we have been hungry for. You know the Bible says that you know in part and you prophesy in part meaning that God will give us bits and pieces of information but he does not always give us the whole the whole picture. He will give us things about what he's going to do but he doesn't show us everything. In the Old Testament the Bible gives us the prophets what we call the major and the minor prophets and within those books of the Old Testament the prophets would see and the Lord would open their eyes to see things that were going to happen in the future and and the only way to describe it is it was like the prophets were looking at a far distant goal through a very dense mountain range if, if any of you have ever been to the Rocky Mountains or the Canadian Rockies somebody's been there you, you've, you've looked at a mountain range and you can see one mountain after the next but what you don't have is the perception to understand what is between those mountains. There's a depth between them and you can just see a little bit at a time. You don't see everything and you can't see the the details between those mountains. You just see one picture. This is what was happening in the Old Testament with the uh, major and the minor prophets. God would give those prophets just a little bit of information and, and they would prophesy. Joel prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, saying that they would speak with other tongues and the Holy Ghost would come upon them with stammering lips and another tongue. Shall God speak to his people. There's there's prophecies throughout the Bible that tell us about revival and tell us about the harvest and tell us about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But God just gives us little bits and pieces. He doesn't show us everything. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the dreams and the visions that God has given this church of there being divine revival and harvest and an overflow of people. God has showed us dreams and visions, but God has not showed us exactly what the church is going to look like and how it is going to function during that time of outpouring and harvest and I've come to tell you that that outpouring and harvest is not going to look like three songs, a a few prayer requests, let's take an offering do a cute little sermon and then go home. I promise you right now that man I feel the Holy Ghost God is wanting to shake us up he's wanting to find out who's hungry for a divine move of the spirit of God and not just the routine of my Pentecostal religion and my tradition that I've always done. Lift up your hands and lift your voice and say, God, I've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. Whatever that looks like, God, I want it. Whatever that looks like, God, I want that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what Azusa Street was. Azusa Street was not a program. Azusa Street was a prayer meeting that went for hours and hours and God moved and the people stayed because they were hungry, because they were thirsty. They wanted God to move upon them. The divine flow of the Holy Ghost when this Pentecostal movement resurged in the beginning of the, of the 20th century was people that just said, I want to pray. I want to get on the altar. I want my flesh to die because I want the spirit to live my will will die and his will will live. That's when there's revival. That's when there's revival. That's when there's a drawing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. To all our guests, I'm, I'm sorry. This is different this morning. I know you stepped in, you, you stepped in the weird Sunday morning. And we're glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. You kind of get to listen in uh, to what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church this morning. And I want you to receive what God has for you. But uh, uh, don't judge us too harshly by today. Just, just, just give us a little grace this morning. Praise God. God wants to, I'm telling you, God wants to get a hold of us. God, he's bringing us back to the proper order of what gets us to his glory. Where the glory, when you look in the Old Testament, when, 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 when Israel was in perfect harmony with the things of God, when Solomon, when at the end of David's reign, and Solomon assumes the throne, and the glory of God rests upon Jerusalem, people came from all over the world. Why? To see the glory. People ain't coming from all over the world to hear good music. They're not coming from all over the world to hear decent preaching. They're not coming from all over the world to see a program. They're not doing it. They're not going to do it. But what's going to draw hungry people is the glory of God. Is an unexplainable uh, a prayer meeting that breaks out and just doesn't end because people are hungry. Now I'm gonna get where we're living because because we can't have a good prayer meeting with our flesh being alive. It is absolutely impossible. We will struggle and we'll be frustrated and we'll be bored out of our head as long as our flesh is still alive in a prayer meeting. I'm gonna tell you this right now that you can you can uh, you can be on an altar when, when you get your flesh on the altar you will pray, but you can pray and have not made an altar. Because an altar is a place of death. An altar, an altar is the place where something valuable of you, your will, your thoughts, your future, your plans, who you are, what's going on next week, what's going on next month, ceases to be a part of your thinking and it dies that day. And you say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. When you enter into that place where your will is completely dead, then can God begin to pour out his glory upon you. Then can you get connected with the spirit of God but how many times have we gone to a prayer meeting and just walked back and forth or just uh, been on our phone or or, or thinking about the, the the schedule next week or wondering what time can I get out of here today and we've got all these things and we're muttering words we're praying but we're not on an altar we're muttering words but our flesh is not dead we're muttering words but our but our will is still just as alive as it has always been and God's saying th this morning the altar is still the first step in into his presence. We will not have the divine move of the Holy Ghost. We 
we are hungry for while the altar is empty. We will not have a divine move of the Holy Ghost while we avoid the altar and we think of reasons why my will doesn't have to die and think of reasons of why I can just skip it this week and I can come back next week. No, there's going to be no glory. There's going to be no presence. There's going to be no move. That's all. The only thing that's going to be is traditional boredom with our same program, but there's got to be something in my heart that says, God, I want something beyond the program. There's something that's got to be birthed in my life. There's something that's got to come alive in my spirit. So I got to get my mind on the altar. Mm-hmm. Got to get my mind on the altar. The thoughts that I think every day, I got to get them on the altar. They've got to die. My thoughts, my mind, my will, the things I dwell upon, the things that I, that I think about, the things that I give my mind to, it's got to be subject to the will of God. It has got to be surrendered and submitted to what God wants to do in my life. My heart, my heart's got to get on the altar. What I truly, truly, truly love has got to be on an altar. I'm not talking about praying because if you get on an altar, you will pray. But it's possible to pray and not be on an altar. Heart. I gotta get my heart on the altar. I gotta get back and I've gotta do it God's way. You see, God, God, you, you can't fool God. I know we think we can fool God. And we we we've we maybe we've been in this long enough, sometimes we think we can sneak around the we can sneak around the 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 method that God established. There's no sneaking around the altar. You can't sneak around the altar and get to the glory. You can't sneak around the altar and get to the presence. You can't sneak around the altar and smell the sweet savor of the altar of incense as it as it lifts up praise unto God. That's 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 not how we do it. You see, we've gotten things backwards in the church and God has just the Lord has just turned on the light bulb and, and I'm telling you if, if, if I can put it like this there's just an epiphany in the spirit that God has just begun to reveal something to me and, 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 and there's been a hunger in my spirit and I've been just seeking after God what is it there's something that's got to change there's something that's got to be altered there's something that's got to be different there's something there's just something there's something we're missing there's something that's out of order what is it God what is it God and the Lord began to show me not just to me in this congregation but the Lord began to speak to me and show me something and this is so very simple this is so very simple and it's so sad that it's so simple and we have missed it as a Pentecostal movement and I'll get to that in just a moment but hear me this morning we've got to get our heart on the altar our heart has to belong to Jesus that means he gets everything he gets my thoughts he gets my emotion he gets my excitement he gets everything he gets my love he gets my adoration he gets my commitment he gets the word of the, my mouth and the meditations of my heart. He gets my heart. We've got to get our body on the altar. We've got to present our body as a living sacrifice to him. That means that he is in control of everything that I am on the inside and on the outside. That's when my body is a living sacrifice to him. The Bible says as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. That word led is translated governed. can translate it like this. As many as are controlled by God, they are the sons of God. Governed. That means he tells me what to do. That means he tells me what to do. His word tells me, and I don't fuss with his word because he governs me. We got to get our body 
inside. Body, soul, spirit on the altar. I've got to get my will on the altar. The things that I want to do, I've got to get my will on the altar. But I want to go here and do that. No, no, no. Not my will, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. I've got to get my will. My will's got to die on that altar of sacrifice. My my will has got to die. The things that I just feel like or don't feel like doing, it's got to die on an altar of sacrifice. The direction of my life has got to be on the altar. I'm not concerned about where you are right now as much as I'm concerned about where you're going. Okay, everything may be cool right now, but where are you at in 10 years? What direction are you going in life? What are you involved in and what direction is that taking you? Your direction has got to be on the altar. You've got to look at the direction of your life through the lens of that brazen altar of my, my, my will is dead. My direction belongs to God. My direction does not belong to me. The path that I am taking, the, the steps of my feet, they belong to God. And I surrender and I submit the will, my, my will and my direction to him. The, the things that I desire in this life, they've got to be on an altar. They've got to die. My personal desires have got to be submitted to God. That means everything that I have, good, bad, or indifferent, I, I, I ask permission of God before I fulfill that desire. I lay it before the throne of God and say, God, if you don't want this for me I'm not going to have it if you don't want me to have this then then it's yours You you completely and you totally govern my life I don't want to have anything that you don't want me to have I don't want to fulfill a desire that is against your will I'm not even talking about sin we look at everything through the lens of sin or or, or saved or wrong or right no God I just want to please you and if there's something that you just don't want me to have you don't have to dangle me over hell to get convince me I don't need to have you just got to say you know what now's not the right time that's not the right thing I'd rather you not have it I'd rather you not and we say okay God that's what I want I I, I surrender my desires to you I surrender my desires to your will you got to put your emotions on the altar you've got to put your emotions on the altar God you're in control of my response to every circumstance and every situation. I will not respond in a way that you don't want me to respond. Before I respond, I'll go to a place of prayer and I'll surrender it and I'll submit it. I'll find a prayer room and I'll die to my will before I respond with my emotions. Our emotions have got to belong to God. Here's a great one. My phone. You need to put your phone on the altar phones are taking people straight to hell. Matter of fact, it'd be good if somebody got your phone right now, just brought it up, put it on the altar. Say, God, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my salvation. I'm not gonna lose my, I'm not gonna lose my concentration. Yeah, this will help the church in 2022 right here. Yeah, we, 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 this is taking people to hell more than devils, more than seances, more than witchcraft. Oh, yeah. It's phones, it's devices. I've got to get my phone, I've got to get my device on the altar. You got to get your internet history on the altar. It used to be hard, it used to be easier to, or harder to hide your stuff. Somebody can look up on your computer now, you can just chuck your phone and get a new one. 
Oh, it's, it's hideable now. I get my phone. Ooh, there's a little bit of, whoo. There it is. Found it. Lord Jesus, help us. Lord, we need sanctified phones. We need sanctified devices. God, you're watching when nobody else is watching. You see every click. You see every search. You see it. Oh, Jesus, help us today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit that wants to stay in the dark and wants to hide things from the presence of God. Lord, you want to shine your light in every area of my life. Gotta get your wallet on the altar. I just want to take a moment to thank this congregation for an offering that we gave to missions. I'm gonna pause just for a moment because I felt like sharing this. We gave over fifteen thousand dollars to the Tingleys. That's tremendous, and I'll tell you why it's tremendous. It wasn't just because they've got expenses. You know, flying from Europe isn't exactly cheap. Renting cars and what they were doing. We took care of them to get back and forth to see the board. They're moving from Spain to Haiti. Okay? In case you don't know, Haiti is probably the most poor country in the world. They're living in Spain. It's very nice in Spain. Do you know that right now, if they were to rent a house in Haiti with running water, it's going to cost four grand a month? Sister Tingley grew up, grew up in a house of atheists. When she got the Holy Ghost and got baptized, her family kicked her out of the house as a teenager. She was sleeping at the church and refused to buckle. And finally, after her parents figured out that she was willing to be separated from all of her family, they let her back in the house. And then Brother Tingley, whose pastor is Nathan Herod, my brother, he goes to Brother Tingley and says, it's the will of God for you to go to Haiti. Now, that's going to test anybody's submission right there. Looks at him and says, it's the will of God for you to leave a very wealthy country where it's nice and go to the poorest place in the world where you've got to have barbed wire around your house for your own safety. Not even knowing at this point if they're going to have running water in the house. That's what they're going into. Their future has been on the altar. That's, that's what it's like to be on the altar when somebody can say, hey, I need you to go here. Okay, God, I'll go. That's a dead person. That's a dead person. I've heard it said before. Somebody made this statement. They said to live for God, you got to have thick skin. No, it's not about thick skin. It's about dead flesh. If you're going to do the will of God, it's going to require you to be dead to your own desires, your own direction, the, the things that you want. It's going to require you to die out to what you want to do with you. 
It requires you to die out to your future. That's why when I run into people, my my personal goal is to be able to to give $1,000 a month to foreign missions. That is my goal to get to. God, God has blessed me tremendously to not call me there. He's called me here. I'm blessed. I'm not saying everything's perfect all the time. But when somebody's saying, I'm, I'm going to a place of the country that I wouldn't want to go, God, that's when God says, I own your wallet. God tells me to give, I give. I give because he told me, not because I have to, not because I'm forced to, but because he owns, he owns my wallet. It's his wallet. It's not just my 10% tithe, my little 5% offering, and then, and then uh, my mission's giving above that. No, every, in, the New Te- in the Old Testament, yeah, it was tithe and offering. In the New Testament, everything they own is the Lord's. What that means is I have a base amount that I give tithe and offering. I ha- that's my lowest amount. I have a lowest amount. I don't have a highest. I got a lowest. That's my standard. And then when God asks for more, okay, God, you own my wallet too. It's got to be on the altar. It's not my will, but, but his will be done. you got to put your friendships on the altar. Amnon had a friend. It was a wrong one. And that friend convinced him to do so. He, he, he was listening to his friend. And that friend convinced him to do some stuff that wrecked a lot of people because he had the wrong friend. You've got you to scroll through your friendships and decide who stays and who goes. Oh, Jesus. You, you can have some friends that'll just take you straight to hell because they influence you and you'll just listen to them and you'll just do whatever they want you to do and, and you've got the wrong friendships. You've got you to have, have friendships that lead you to an altar. You've got to have friends that'll stand shoulder to shoulder you, with you at a brazen altar and say, what are we going to sacrifice for God this month? What are we going to sacrifice for God this week? That, that, that will get in the kingdom of God with you and that will sacrifice with you. You've got, to, you've got to put who you're influenced by on the altar. You've got to put your hurt feelings on the altar. You're going, you're going to get your feelings hurt. I've had my feelings hurt plenty of times, and it's going to happen in the future. But I've learned a little trick. Once I get my feelings hurt, I run to the church, and I find a place of prayer. And I tell God all about it. I talk to the one with nail-scarred hands and nail-scarred feet. The one that was pierced in the side and that was beat until he was unrecognizable. The one that was chained to a to a, 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 a whipping post and they took a cat of nine tails. I tell him about my hurt feelings. I do. And I can tell you just about every single time when I leave the prayer room talking to him about my hurt feelings, he helps me every time. And so my hurt feelings don't turn into offenses and bitterness. You got to take your offenses to, you got to take your offenses to an altar and you got to kill them. Because they will kill you. They will destroy you. You've got to take your offenses to, to an altar. You've got to take your recreation to an altar. God decides what I'm entertained by. Whatever you're watching something, just turn to your right and say, how do you like this, Jesus? How do you like that scene, huh? Wasn't that cool? I've got to die. My entertainment belongs to Jesus. My entertainment is on the altar. My vacations. Holiness doesn't change on vacation. That's when it's tradition and religion. 
well, there's nobody from the church that's going to see me, so. That's called tradition and religion. That means that you're doing it because of what man sees you and not because your heavenly father sees you. My vacation is surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on the altar. I'm talking about the altar is first. Not all of these things, not all this stuff. The altar is first. I've got to be dead to myself. My marriage has got to be on the altar. My marriage. That one that I made the vows to be faithful to and to love in sickness and in health, to provide for all the things that we said, that's got to be on the altar. My marriage matters to God. I've got a goal in mind of of people that I'm going to see filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name of souls that I'm going to win. But guess what? If I don't win you every day, I'm a failure. Doesn't matter how many people I win, if she hates my guts. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. If we're crossed up, it doesn't matter how many other people in this city think I'm doing them good. If you're mad at me, because I've been acting crazy. My marriage has got to be on the altar. God commanded me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. She's first. She's the first soul I'm going to win. And I'm going to make sure every day I take her to heaven with me. Everything else is extra. My family, my children, my wife and my children get me first. I'm going to win them to God. This altar, the, 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 to, 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 this, to this date, the, the best thing I can see in my children right now is when little Scarlet comes up here because she's the closest. She's at the altar. And I'm going to train my children the way that my parents trained me. When the preacher's done, we don't go that direction. We go this direction. Your direction has got to be surrendered to God. Your family, your marriage has got to be surrendered to God. There's a paradigm shift that's happening in this church. You know, I begin to realize, and, 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 and you know, maybe, maybe I'm just a little slow, Brother Hibner. So if I'm slow, y'all just be patient with me. But in our good Pentecostal traditional religion, we have, I don't know for how long, been doing things absolutely wrong we as a matter of fact we've been doing it backwards why is it now let's just let's just go through it what's a good pentecostal church service Ooh, we got pre-service prayer then we're going to crank up the music and then we're going to we're going to pray for the sick then we're going to give an offering because we've got to make sure to take time out because we may not give if we're not told to we got to make sure to pray for the sick when we're told to because we might not take the initiative to do it during the worship service. So we got all these things we got to do to make sure we hit all the points. Then after the preacher preaches, then what do we do? Altar call. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. The last thing we're going to do 
is come to God's first step? Think about it. Think about this with me right now. How long have we been doing it backwards? The church at large, the Pentecostal movement, altar call. Now it's time after we've done our theatrics. Now we're going to die to our flesh. That's why there's no glory. There's no presence. There's nobody getting healed. It's because the climactic point of our church service is step number one. altar call is supposed to be the first thing. Death to my flesh precedes everything God is going to do. That means if I skip pre-service prayer, oh, I'll just slide in and I'll, and I'll, and I'll get my blessing. No, you're not going to get a blessing if your flesh is alive. We call it pre-service prayer, but it's supposed to be the call to kill my flesh so that God can do something because as long as my flesh is alive, as long as there's no sacrifice, there's not going to be any descending of the fire of the Holy Ghost. So there's got to be a paradigm shift in our thinking and the way we approach God. We've been waiting to the very end to say, okay, God, now I'll come pray. Maybe if, if the preacher's good enough and the singing was fast enough and they hit all their parts just right and it was emotionally charged enough, I may, I may go pray for 10 minutes. And we have that thinking because our flesh is alive, because we have done things backwards. We have done it out of order. We have been doing it out of order. Yeah, I know you're looking at me like, what in the world? Where are we going? I don't know where we're going, but I can tell you we're going somewhere apostolic and supernatural. That's what I want. Pre-service prayer isn't just something on the schedule. There's got to be a drawing in your spirit that says, I've got to get there early because my flesh has got to die because I've got to get the thoughts out of my mind. I've got to get the cares of this life and the residue of the world off of my spirit so the glory of God can move in the house of the Lord. There's not going to be any glory if we come to step one and then we go home. There's no glory if we get to the brazen altar and say, well, oh, that was good. I broke through, so I'm going to go eat lunch now. I'm going to just do my thing. And we've, and we've walked through all of these things, these religious, traditional things that we've always done, and we don't even really know how to pray when it comes time to pray. Can't even lift up our voice up above a whisper. But you know why? Because our flesh ain't dead. No sacrifice. When your flesh is dead, when there is a living sacrifice before him, there's no such thing as being shy about what other people think. There's no such thing as being bashful about how loud you are in the presence of God. There's no such thing as being bashful about lifting your hands and clapping your hands and worshiping God and connecting with the spirit when your flesh is dead. Now, now when your flesh is alive, it's real hard to do. When your flesh has not been put on the altar and you haven't emptied your mind of every thought, yeah, it's real difficult to do. That's why we sit and we pick our nose waiting for the next thing to happen or we get on our phone and we scroll through Amazon because we're bored. You're bored because your flesh ain't dead. But if you can break through your flesh and get it on the altar and do it in the way that God told us to do it, I'm not coming to the altar last. I'm going to get to the altar first because if I can get to the altar first, God's glory is going to be made manifest in my life. Yeah. 
Lift up your hands right now. Lift up your voice in this place. Oh, Jesus, we're going to do it the right way. God, there's got to be something that shifts. I'm not waiting on somebody to, to pump me up to get me to an altar. I'm going to come running to the altar before everything else. Hallelujah. 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 I knew you'd be sitting up here and I planned on using you. You know, the great thing about you, I used to do the same thing. Sit so where you're sitting. You know why it's great? Because your back is to everybody. And I've learned you're going to have to turn your back on some people if you're going to live for God. You're going to just have to let them do, not that you don't love people. Or you're nice to people. But you're not influenced people. You just, you're going to worship God and be up here. And the only thing you're going to see is my back. And I'm not worried about what other people think. And that place right there, you're, the, you're as close as anybody right now to what the place that we call the altar here. You're in the perfect prime position. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Stay on this road. Don't go back there. Don't, don't ever be fooled into thinking, well, I can, I can just, I can worship God back there. Or I can, I can be lax. I'm not, uh, hear me right now. You got to get close to the altar. This is where our young people got to be at the altar. This is what changes me. No altar, no glory. No altar, no incense. And as, and as I'm preaching right now, there, there's just more that's just uh, occurring to me as I'm here. You know, the, the Bible tells us in the, in, the, in, the holy, in the holy place, there was the altar of incense. This was the praise unto God. And the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Okay? But we, we have gotten things a little mixed up. The praise is in the holy place. The praise of the incense is not at the outer gate. So before God receives your praise, he doesn't receive your praise until you're dead. Praise happens after the altar. Well, I'm going to praise my way and God will receive my praise. No, no. Not, not, not if you want to read the Bible. We can't cheat past God's way. Dead flesh won't move. Dead flesh will get into the presence of God and is completely surrendered to him. When there's a sacrifice unto the Lord, that's what is going to move God. But we've tried to cheat God. We've tried to cheat our way around having a move of God and say, well, I went to the altar. Congratulations. Step one, five more to go. The altar is not the glory. There's a, there's a big, there is a big distance between the altar and the glory. People are drawn to the glory. That's what sinners are drawn to. They're drawn to people that know how to connect with the Holy Ghost and the power of God is being poured out and the Spirit of God is evident. And it's not a show. It's not a presentation. It's not a program. It's not a, it's not a schedule. It's the power of God being moved because somebody got on the altar. Somebody said, I'm not, I'm not leaving here until my flesh is dead. And then when my flesh gets dead, then I can really get into the presence of God and I can really touch God now that my flesh is out of the way. I'm going to tell you this church, what we are hungry for and something is, 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 is in the womb of this church that is going to be birthed 
earth in the name of Jesus. It is a hunger for the way God really designed his church to be. He did not design his church to be a program and a schedule and do this, 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 and this, and then you've had successful church. No, we've had traditional religion, but God is calling us out of that. He is calling us out of the routine. He's saying, no, you're not going to do the altar last. You're going to do the altar first, and if you will do the altar first, my glory will show up. If you will do the altar first, if you'll put yourself on the altar, then that's when you're going to see miracles. That's when you're going to see the signs and the wonders. That's when you're going to see healing and the miraculous. When we get ourselves on the altar. Lift up your hands and lift up your voice right now. Somebody call out to the Lord right now in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got to get to the altar where I can't see anybody else but me and Jesus. I've got to get to the altar where nobody else is in my view. I've got to get to the altar where I'm not distracted by anybody. I've got to get my flesh on the altar where I'm not hindered by anything else. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't own me. I don't own me. I am bought with a price. Therefore, I will glorify God in my body. He decides where I go and when I go and how I go and how long I go. I am surrendered. I am submitted. My mind, my soul, my body is on the altar and it is dead. And when I get myself on the altar, that's when God wants to touch us. That's when his glory is going to be made manifest within us. When somebody that's hungry for his glory says, God, I'll do it your way. I'm not going to try to do it my way and say, oh, I'm a good Christian. No, it's it, we're, we're long past the place of doing good Christianity. Matter of fact, a lot of us are bored with it. There's got to be somebody that says, I've got to get to the altar and get my flesh on the altar. My flesh has got to die. I've got to repent. I've got to get it under control. I've got to get it surrendered to God. And when you do that, that's when God is going to show up. been doing it wrong. The church. I'll say, I'm not, it's the Bible. It's not my opinion. Every church that does the altar call last is doing it wrong. And what I mean by that is going through our routine and and letting everybody on the platform do Pentecostal calisthenics. And then we'll go and pray, maybe cry, maybe put a hand on the shoulder. And then, okay, all right, pastor, I'm out. No, there, there's no, there's no aroma from that brazen altar. And without an aroma ascending into the sky, that aroma and the smoke of the burning fire of a sacrifice unto the Lord, there's no glory. You need, do, you, do you need a touch from God in your life? You're not going to get it without dead flesh. You might as well hang it up right now and just forget it while everything else is on your mind, while the cares of this life dominate your thoughts and and really I'm just stopping by church to get to what I really want to do and what I got to do and what I got planned, all this other stuff, just life itself. And we've put the altar last. We've done it, Brother Marsh. That's what we've done. We put the altar last. God's saying, okay, if you want a real divine move of the Holy Ghost, 
we got to get the altar back where it's supposed to be. The altar's not in a back room. The altar's not after you've done everything else. The altar's first. Azusa Street was a prayer meeting. That's what it was. People came from all over the world to come there and to pray. I've been, I've been on site there at Azusa Street in Los Angeles. Guess what? I didn't feel any different spirit there when I was there than I do here. It was hunger of people. Not necessarily the location. But where there is flesh on an altar. People will come that are hungry. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Service tonight. That's why I started this started for Tuesday nights. I don't, especially Tuesday night, probably tonight too. I understand on Tuesday nights you're coming in from work. I understand all that. that I, I'm not a policeman. I'm not the CIA. I'm not the FBI. I'm not tracking you down to see where you're at. That's between you and Jesus. But altar time starts at 6.30 on Tuesday night. That's altar call. There's a call of the Spirit to the altar saying, bring me a sacrifice and I'll pour out my blessing on you. It's not God bless me and then I'll give, bring a sacrifice. Church tonight, the call to the altar is at 5.30. You can come whenever you want to, but there's a call to the altar for my flesh to die before we ever try to get blessed. God, I'm bringing a sacrifice. If that's you this morning, if you desire for God to do something brand new in your life, this isn't, now I'm going to just tell you this morning, this isn't just a sermon today. This is a direction in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's something wrong with starting with music. I'm not saying there's something wrong with, with praying for the sick in the middle. I'm not saying there's something wrong with bringing an offering. That's not what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. What is wrong is when we are so married to that method that we miss the move of the Holy Ghost and we start depending on all these little things so I can cope enough to get through an hour and a half church service and then sit through a three-hour, four-hour ball game during the summer. Hunger, sacrifice, the altar. I'm here to tell you this morning, very simply, the altar is still first. It doesn't matter how carnal I am. God's not going to change his principles to satisfy my laziness. He's not going to do it. He is not going to change how he put it in order just because I want it to be different. God's saying, if you want me, you'll do it my way. If you want to move of my spirit, you'll do it my way. You'll get your flesh on the altar. Somebody lift up your hands and cry out to God right now. All over this house. In the name of Jesus. If you're hungry for God this morning, I want you to come down to the front. If you, if you want a divine interruption in your life, I want you to join us down here at the front right now in the name of Jesus. If that's what you're hungry for, God, I'm sick of the same old. I don't have to be prodded. I don't have to be poked. I don't have to be pushed. I'm sick of tradition. I'm sick of religion. I need deliverance. I need a touch. I need your help. I need healing. 
Yeah, I, I can tell you how to get there. Get your flesh on the altar. It's got to die. Your desire's got to die. Your routine's got to die. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you ought to, in your own words, say, God, right now, it's dead. It dies today. My routine dies today. It dies right now, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Somebody lift your voice. He's going to respond. He's going to respond. No more waiting on somebody to tell me to come to the altar. No more waiting on somebody to beg and plead for me to come just a little bit closer. God, I'm going to get as close as I can get. I'm going to get as close as I can get. I'm not going to let there be distance between me and you. Oh, that's it. Pray until something breaks. Hallelujah. Something's going to begin to shift this morning in the name of Jesus. I declare it in Jesus' name. I declare a paradigm shift in this church in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I'm going to get on the altar. I'm going to get on the altar. I'm going to get on the altar and I'm going to stay on the altar in the name of Jesus.
It may take a few minutes because there's so much residue of the world that's built up on your spirit. But you got to say, God, I've got to break through in the name of Jesus. I've got to get my flesh under control. I've got to get my flesh on the altar. I've got to get my life on the altar. Come on, that's it. Press forward a little bit this morning. God is calling us. He is calling us. He is calling us. God, I surrender it. I submit it. God, I'm going to get back on the altar.
Music team, come. We're going to sing. God's going to move because we've now gotten our flesh on the altar. Seriously, music, musicians, singers, come quickly, quickly. As quick as you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've sang too many songs with our flesh not dead. Hallelujah.
should sing. Sing hallelujah. 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 Come on now, lift up your voice to God.
the room, just lift your eyes toward heaven and lift your hands and just believe he loves you. He loves you. Now receive the gift of God. Come on, just receive it. Just receive his love. Receive his mercy. Receive his peace. Come on, it's not about deserving it. It's just a gift. It's just a gift. Come on, let it let him give it to you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He It's his goodness that makes you good. You've got to receive his goodness. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I'm good because he's good. And he's inside of me. It's his goodness. It's his love. It's his peace. It's his mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the good part. This is the good part. Come on, this is why we come. To be in his presence. To give to him and him give back to us. Hallelujah. To empower you. To to strengthen you. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We rejoice in your love. We rejoice in your strength. Rejoice in you, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Oh, 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 yes, Jesus. Oh, 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 yes, come on. Sun and the trumpets roll, lift your voice. It's here up to believe. The God of Zion's hill, salvation knows. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. And the trumpets roll, lift your voice. It's here up to believe.
you to come to the front. We're going to lay hands on you. The gift of faith is here right now. In Jesus' name, whatever your need is, we're going to pray in Jesus' name and God's going to do miracles in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I want you to find somebody that's come up to the front. I want you to gather around them. You're going to pray the prayer of faith over them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're going to pray with power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, find somebody. Get two or three or four or five people around them with faith. We're going to pray the prayer of faith in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now upon the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. I take authority and dominion over sickness, over disease, over pain. In the name of Jesus, I lose healing and miracles to begin to operate right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, by your stripes we are healed. Lord, by your stripes we are healed. We are made whole in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, revival is going to break out when we get on the altar. I feel that spirit in this place right now. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise right now. Come on, somebody praise him and thank him. Thank you for healing. Thank you for the miracle. Thank you for touching my body. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. 
in this place right now. I lose deliverance in this place right now. I take authority over every generational curse. I bind it in the name of Jesus. I lose deliverance in this place in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of witchcraft that's been working on people in the name of Jesus, I bind it in Jesus' name. And I lose deliverance in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, there's a breakthrough for somebody right now. Oh, it's there for you right now in Jesus' name. There's impartation of the Holy Ghost. I know some of you are waiting on what the next thing is. I don't know what the next thing is. God's trying to do something in this place right now. You ought to lift up your voice and give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the victory that's coming. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, it's the blood that gives me strength from day, from day to even here this morning. Give your offering however you give, whatever you want to do when you're dismissed. I know the Hayes and the children's ministry probably wonder what the world's going on. So we'll go get our kids. Um, give unto the Lord. God bless you this morning. We're going to come back tonight and have a good move of the Holy Ghost.